MFs, welcome back. Us like you broke, coming to you during the never-ending coronation, lest anyone has forgotten. The world is still fucked up. COVID-19 is still spreading. Numbers are back on the rise in a few locations where restrictions may have relaxed prematurely. On the other hand, New York City is starting their phase one reopening today, which some might construe as a positive sign. I know today's guest, who I will get to in a few minutes, was there when all of this started and has firsthand perspective on some of the changes that happened very quickly in New York City. Meanwhile, protests against the systematic mistreatment of black people in our country are still spreading across this country and worldwide at the same time, which is very nice to see. Violence and civil unrest are still happening, but we like to think of our podcast as a safe space, a warm and inviting place where we share our thoughts on the day's events, Formerly non-political, but the times are what they are. We can't avoid, avoid doing so anymore. And, and much the way conversations happen on the tour bus, that's the way we feel about what we present to our viewers. A peek inside those conversations that, they, that happen on the tour bus as we move from city to city. We're not all just a bunch of carnies, no sense, no taste, no nothing. We are thinking individuals, the working class heroes, if you will. And this is what we talk about. We talk about the day's events. That is, for those of you who may remember what those days were like as they become further and further in our rear view. And separate from the obvious and predominant issues of the day, which we've discussed in a couple of previous recordings. Don't really want to spend much time on it today, but make no mistake, while I speak only for myself and never for my associates, I think it's safe to say we stand together with Black Lives Matter. We insist people wake up, use their voices, join the conversation if they haven't already. And we, the hustlers, we represent one race, the human race, but we know that until black lives are acknowledged and appreciated, then those that say all lives matter are still missing the point and fuck them. But we hope for the day we can all agree on that ideal. Meanwhile, as if there's anything else happening in the world, Polestar, one of the leading Concert industry, online magazines, physical magazine as well, had an interesting article today on the distribution of PPP money in Nashville. Truth be told, I haven't spent enough time with it to know the ins and outs. But I do hope, and I want to say, I hope it shines a light on who is getting what and how that money is working out for the working class heroes we represent. In more somber news, just this past weekend, an iron worker at the yet-to-open SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles fell 60 feet to his death. 
which reminded me, circumstances notwithstanding, as we don't know them yet, of the rigger who died at Coachella a couple years back. And that reminded me of our call for improved safety standards and acknowledged best or reasonable practices as the concert industry looks to reopen. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family, and I hope everyone is mindful of the work to be done. And then there's Lollapalooza in, in, in Chicago, which is still scheduled to happen in just a few weeks, end of July. So I want to welcome my co-host to the program today, Dallas. Is it still raining in Florida? Well, most definitely, we are stuck in a little bit of a system. So yes, and it is our time of year to get a little wet. So you know, we're we're there. We're definitely wet. <laughs> or some of you like moist. <laughs> <laughs> moist. Moist. It's the way Kyle says it. Oh, gross. Um, and Kyle, there he is, Mister Motherfucker himself. I'm back, and I'm back with a bowl of crunch berries. Ooh. Been a month away from my berries with crunch, and uh, I feel like I deserved it. Well, kudos to you. Last we'd heard, you had lost upwards of 20 pounds, I believe. And yeah, that is, I've, I'm at 38.5. Wow. Congratulations. Very impressive. Very impressive. And good to hear people are spending their coronation wisely. I hope you continue to stay healthy, though I do appreciate the desire to eat your crunch berries. And speaking of old habits, my good brother Banks. <laughs> Any breakfast it. cocktail this morning, my friend? No, not this morning. Um, I have some delicious water here, trying to hydrate. I've been mm. burning the candle at both ends, so I'm just trying to stay a little healthy today. Well. Good on you. Can't begrudge you that. Might have to get a breakfast cocktail myself. Just to balance things out, as Kyle likes to say. Balance Dallas, baby. There it is. So, I mean, we've talked about Coachella, not until October. And I know, Kyle, you're a, a believer that it's going to happen. But Lollapalooza, July 30th. Do we think Lala's coming back? Oh, yeah. Basketball is coming back. Football is, will be here. Baseball is on the horizon. It's all going to open right back up. Hell, 24-hour fitness is open. L.A. fitness is open. We're back. Dallas, you agree with this? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's so hard to say right now because there's so many strange things happening out there in terms of uh, what we're seeing in terms of people being together. So I don't know. I think... I'm going to look to see if there's a spike or not. And, um, you know, I think it's insurance. I don't, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's not what you and I or any of us think. It's going to be the insurance companies and if they're willing to actually back any of these live events that we want to do. Well, Chicago's in phase three of their reopening plan as of today. Again, New York went into phase one today. Up here in Boston, my area, we just started phase two. Chicago is now in phase three. I, I don't fully understand how any of this makes sense. I, I admire the people who, who are putting their best foot forward and trying to do great work in 
leading this country in the absence of a genuine leader. But Chicago's well ahead of most other major cities. Do, do you actually think law is happening, Dallas? Hmm. I think probably not. Or maybe it is in a different form than what we typically see. But I think that, um, you know, where are the artists? Where are the big headliners? Are they going to come show out for that? I don't know. That is the question. I, I had two artists that were going to be on this year's event, and none of them are talking about it right now, full disclosure. Um, of course, it's just us talking, so it doesn't, I mean, there's no one else out there, so it doesn't really, you know, we can speak freely about this, but I'm just saying, like, I don't hear anybody talking about it, but it's still there. And six, seven weeks from now, loading in, I have questions. Yep, loading will be there. Banks, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I I kind of fall in between Kyle and Christine. I mean, I, I it's what I'm seeing in the things that I'm doing is people are acting as if nothing has happened for the last three months. You know, I'm watching people just interact as if nothing is going on. So I don't know. I I don't I I, I want to say that it looks like it's promising and there may be something happening soon like Lala, but. Still, you know, people are disregarding what we've been dealing with for the last three months. I, I feel like there may be a spike because of that. So I feel like it may happen and there may be several more spikes because of it. Well, technically, it's probably not a spike. It's just now that they've opened up Dodger Stadium to test nine million people a week. You just finally seeing what was really going on out there. I mean, out here where I live, an hour and a half outside of L.A., damn near nobody wears masks. I'm looking around like, wow, am I, I feel like I'm the oddball because I'm the only one with a mask. Same, same. Well, but I think both of you are right. And, you, and you're saying slightly different things. Kyle, you're right. The numbers will go up specifically because texting, testing, excuse me, has finally been expanded or is finally being uh, expanded. I, I know our genius dear leader made mention early on that why would we want to test more people? We might just find out that more people have it and that would screw up our numbers. But hello, until we know our numbers, we don't know where the fuck we are. On the other hand, Banks, what you're saying, I think, which is also true is as more widespread congregating happens, the virus naturally spreads. And we have seen where reopenings were done prematurely, there has been spikes. And I, and I don't know. I mean, I, I saw a joke the other day that, you know, with all these protests going on, it begs the question for all these festivals, they should just stop calling them festivals and start calling them protests. And then they can just happen freely and artists will be on stage and audience will be in the house and so it goes, but I, 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 I mean, ha, ha, ha. But that still means there will be a spike from the proximity, the absence of masks, as you said, Kyle. The, but what, is it a true spike? Or because we don't have technically any controls. We, how do you we know don't know. Spike? How we don't spike? know. Right. Correct. We don't know. But until we test, we don't know if there's a spike. 
logically speaking, both of those things are still true. We still know this thing is spreading, even though the numbers are down. So the numbers, and again, down based on what is being reported, what is being tested. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, we believe the numbers are higher. On the other hand, the spread will increase. And fuck, it may be a good thing. Maybe, again, as long as we're acknowledging the possibility that those that are predisposed to illness, predisposed to issues, something, frankly, our guest today might know about. So I'm going to bring him out in just a second. But people who are predisposed have preconditions, as they say, not just elderly, but younger people with preconditions uh, are more likely to get this thing still. So again, I, I believe the answer is the numbers are higher and it will keep spreading. That doesn't necessarily mean we should reopen prematurely. On the other hand, in the absence of a vaccine before long, the majority of people will need to get it in order for the numbers to subside. That said, rant over, or at least temporarily suspended for a moment. We do have a very special guest with us on the program today. He is well known to a couple of us, Kyle Hamilton, myself in particular, but everyone in this industry who knows anything about the big voices on stage, the big singers in this business from Justin Timberlake to Rihanna to Pharrell Williams to Dave Matthews to Lionel Richie, Madonna, the list goes on and on. Everyone at some point or another has worked with this gentleman, and uh, we are very proud to have him on the program today, Rob Stevenson. How are you, my friend? Fantastic, Matt. Thanks for having me. Kyle, what's happening, man? My Good throat evening, sir. How are you? My throat ain't hot today. <laughs> Don't have an overheated throat. <laughs> That's our inside thing. When when singers are struggling, he's like, yo, that throat is hot. She sounds like a cat. <laughs> like, oh, God, God. <laughs> man, well, we want to hear a little bit about that. We definitely want to hear not only about your story, but about, you know, some of that Good advice you could be given, all myself included. People who use their voice a lot, sometimes perhaps not, you know, on stage, but uh, you know, things oh, yeah. that we can do. But backing it up for a second, if okay. you don't mind, tell us about your beginnings. Tell us about where you come from, how you came to be the man that you are. You know what, man? To be honest with you, as a child, I came from a family of singers. My mom sang. My my. My father, my father sang, but he never pursued it. My mom sang with the Florida Mass Choir. My sister, older sister, she was the drummer for the Florida Mass Choir, like one of the first female drummers in the state of Florida. And um, and then my brother, he's a pastor. We're family of singers, just put it that way. I didn't want to sing. I wanted to be a superhero. Then I realized I couldn't fly. I couldn't jump off. I, I could jump off buildings, but couldn't you know stay. Um, couldn't levitate basically. So I, um, I actually wanted to be a cop. I wanted to get into special forces training and all that other stuff as a kid. Started finding or buying weapons from the pawn shop. Then my mom found them in my room, got a beating for that. And then she got rid of all of that. And then I was like, okay, well, that's out of the question. <laughs> then one day she, um, you know, she asked me to sing. It was on the way home from church. And I was the one that didn't want to sing. 
And you don't deny my mom anything without her swinging her fists real quick. So I got hit upside the head, started singing. She told me I was horrible, but she heard potential in it and put me in uh, the Sunshine Band at church. And um, I sang in church, you know, uh, with um, some friends that have done really well in the music industry. Um, and at that point, I became an artist in 93. I put out a record that did really well on an independent label. The single was uh, Foreplay. The album was You're the One. And um, saw some things in the industry. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't sign up for any of that. And um, I backed out of that and walked away clean. Washed my hands of the industry. Got a job at, at uh, where did I start working at? At Macy's. I was working at Macy's and shipping and receiving. I worked at PetSmart down the street from my house where I live now in Buckhead in Atlanta. And... Um, and I was so embarrassed because people come in to recognize me like, yo, aren't you Rab? And I'm like, no. So I told him my nickname, can I get a badge, um, a name tag with my nickname, Willie, which wasn't the case. <laughs> so people wouldn't ask me that. And um, just got a regular job, man. It was burnt out. And anytime I needed money, I would sing at these little talent shows and make money to help pay bills. And there was this artist um, that was a radio DJ and his name was Chris Lover Lover and Poon Daddy. They used to have these little talent shows at the 559. I believe it was on Saturday, on Tuesday nights. Yeah, weeknight. And I would sneak in there and sing a song, you know, come in second place, first place, third place, and make a few dollars to actually pay my rent. And then one day I sung my song. And it was like, man, you sound just like Brad. And I was like, man, who is that? I was like, I just like the song. And jumped in my car as fast as I could. And that Chris Lover Lover is ludicrous. He's <laughs> the host these things. Yeah, but uh, make a long story short, um, I got in a singing group here in Atlanta uh, named 911. It was with um, the former members of a group called Basic Black that was doing that was around during the New Jack Swing era. Era with um, Gene Griffin, he managed um, Guy and he managed Basic Black at the same time. And so some of those members left and wanted to start a group project. And I was a part of the project, and Joe, uh, the singer Joe, was supposed to be a part of it, but Island wouldn't allow him to do a deal that wasn't signed to Island Records. So it was me, Daryl Adams, and uh, Walter Scott, known as Mucho, who was a producer for Ted, in-house producer for Teddy Riley. And um, with all of that being said, um, we did a project, 911, had a song on the movie soundtrack. I saw some things in that band, uh, or not just with the members, but you know, that was around the band. And I was like, you know what? I left the hood. You know, I, I was never to do sell drugs or do any of that kind of stuff. And I don't knock anybody's hustle, but that just wasn't my lifestyle. And so I walked away from all of it and just left it clean. When, got, like I said, got a job at PetSmart, went back to college um, to get a job working with kids. I wanted to work with uh, the, the kids that had the hardest time in school, which I feel, felt was uh, middle school kids. Um, so I started working towards a degree with that. I basically had seven credits left and getting ready to go into my senior year of school and then start teaching the following year. When I got a call from Daryl Adams, who was actually staying in Virginia Beach and uh, working as an in-house producer for Teddy. And um, there was these young producers at the time that was working on um, mixing Justin Timberlake's Justified album. And they called Daryl to the studio. Daryl had a um, meeting with Justin. Justin wanted to hire two male singers to go on the road with him. And um, they asked him to find the other guy. And um, Daryl called me at the time when I was in a difficult transition financially. 
where I was getting ready to move back to Orlando. And I was trying to call this guy named Johnny Wright. And um, Johnny Wright, who's a big manager in the industry, I'm sure you know who he is. And um, to see if he'll give me a job in Orlando at his um, compound. It's an artist compound where I would actually be, um, you know, taking out the trash if they allowed me to work there. And I couldn't get a hold of Johnny, but um, Daryl called me and was like, hey, man, um, you know, I got you never believe who I'm working with. I'm working with Justin Timberlake. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. If you see his manager, Johnny Wright, let me know. Uh, let them know that I'm trying to move back to Orlando to get a, you know, to try and find a job in the music industry and get back in again. And he was like, well, you know, Johnny Wright around for this meeting that I just had. It was a guy named Silas. And I'm sure you guys know Silas from the industry as well. But um, Silas was helping A&R the record. He also managed Brian McKnight at the time, who was also raised in Orlando as well. Went to my high school. Then he went to Edgewater High School and all that. That's another story. Anyway, make a long story short. Um, at that point, um, Daryl was like, oh, okay, there's no Johnny Wright, but Justin told me to find uh, the other male singer. I said, like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. So who are you going to get? And he was like, you, you big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. And immediately I hung up the phone. I went in my prayer closet because me and God had this little powwow thing where I felt like, you know, he gave me this amazing gift and it only brought me grief and, and pain. And I was like, look, you know, take it back. Because how are you going to give me something so beautiful? And all it does was break my heart anytime I try and do anything to honor him or honor love or honor all of these different codes that I saw fitting in my life. And um, <clears throat> at that particular point, you know, there was silence. And I, I basically begged God. I was like, look, if you manage me, you know, everything will be all right. You know, you, I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll say what you tell me to say. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? I won't chase people and be like, you're going to, you going to hell if you don't get saved. I've never been that dude. But whatever he would have me say in those moments, I would just say them. You know, even though I'm like, you know, I'm about to get fired. You want me to say what? <laughs> and that was, that was never the case. You know, so in that particular point, I fast tracked back to the phone call with Diesel, which was literally two weeks after I had this conversation with God. And the conversation with Daryl on the phone, I hung up, went back to the closet, and I was like, okay, God, are you testing me? Because I've been singing on the praise team at church, and I know the church speaks out against anything that's secular. And I'm like, if this is you, let it be by your will and not by mine. Because if it's by my will, I'm about to screw some things up. I'm really good at that. But if it's you, please make it clear. And so I went and spoke with my spiritual father at the church. And I'll say, hey, I just got a call to possibly go and work with Justin Timberlake. I may not be singing on the praise team anymore. I knew this guy was going to tell me, that's the devil. <laughs> that's the devil. Don't go. He was like, yo, so when I get tickets, that's what the pastor said. Do I get tickets to come to the show? And then he sat me down. He was like, look, man, God, God doesn't just reign in the church. You know, he sends soldiers, foot soldiers to go out and work in a world where there's chaos and darkness and remind him that he's there with them, even in their times of trouble. And for me to just rep, just basically be a light in a world of darkness like that. And I was like, wow, okay, well, that's the first sign. I'm good. And literally nine days later after the call, I was singing in LA, no audition, no nothing for Justin, me and Daryl. And I've been working with him since that was in 2002. And I'm still working for him to this very day. 
That is a pretty incredible story. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got to dispute. There are definitely some who might say you are a superhero. Okay. <laughs> Especially when you see him do backflips. <laughs> there you go, Kyle. <laughs> got to keep you on your toes. That was a part of that training. <laughs> I mean, I'm also a little surprised just knowing my way and the way I speak that, you know, you've never said that uh, anything about me getting struck down by the devil or anything. So I, I guess no. I appreciate that at least so far. Oh, no, not at all, man. I got nothing but love for you. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't love you as you are, man, I can't, I'm not trying to change you. Well, I, 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 I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I also have to say that, I mean, that is an incredible story just for a first opportunity in this new lane that you've you know that, that that you've embarked on over the last 20 years to yeah. to get caught up with with jt of all people and to be with him still to this day and for johnny wright to have you know introduced you to his other clients yeah. um you know to that that obviously is a testament to you that is yeah. a testament to you but know, it's funny how God God worked worked that situation out. Here I am trying to go to Orlando to find Johnny. Had a number for him, and couldn't even get him. And then God had a workaround. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and here's something even crazy, right? This is even crazy, right? So while I was in college, I was doing everything trying not to sing, not to follow my path. And me and a friend from from school, Nelson Gray, we started. You know, you write, you play. Man, let's, I heard him playing in a, one of the rehearsal rooms, and I went in there, and we started vibing, singing songs. And then the professor came in and was like, are you a voice major? I haven't seen you before. I was like, no, I'm not trying to be no voice major. I'm not trying to sing classical. I'm not trying to do that opera stuff. That's not my thing. I've been there, done that. And he was like, well, if you come and audition, I'll give you a scholarship, free money. How about that? I was like, I'm down with that. I'm paying bills. Yes. I went and did that. And every time I had questions about the voice, I was the dude in class like, please, Rob, would you just shut up and let us get out of here? I was that fascinated with the voice, but was never trying to be a voice coach. That is never. pretty crazy. That is never. Crazy. And the third day on the job working with Justin in 2002, it was in October, close to um, Halloween. His voice coach, Robin Wiley, the great Robin Wiley, she came in. She was his voice coach. She coached all the kids on the Mickey Mouse Club. She coached in sync. She did arrangements for them. She worked with the Bella Fleck Band. She's amazing, right? So she had all these answers about the voice that the professor in college didn't know anything about. And I was blown away by that. I would follow her around and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so in love with your gift to be able to understand what to do with the voice. Now, mind you, I vocal produced and arranged my first album and other projects. I was doing that already, but there was still information I didn't understand about the voice as to why I get stuck. Why does my throat get hot in the middle of a session? And people say, go take a cigarette break, which is the worst, or go eat something, depending on what you eat, could be bad. And not knowing all of that stuff, that affects the voice. Or you'll do a session today and come back tomorrow and the voice is in a different place. It's like, what's up with that? She had all these answers. I was fascinated by her. And I would follow her around and ask her, could I just spend some time asking questions about the voice? Still not trying to be a voice coach. Still. I just, I was just blown away. 
I would actually be in a recording session and I would be like, oh man, if a person I was producing couldn't sing a note, instead of the producer, the engineer saying, yo, we should take a break. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me call Robin. I would call Robin, put her on speakerphone and say, Robin, this is the problem. This is this. This is I'm having trouble with this artist singing this. Could you fix it? Like, what now, Rob? And then she's like, what are they singing? I, she was just, she thought I was crazy that I was just that fascinated with what she was able to do. And she would fix it like in five, like five minutes, it'll be done. And then we'll get through the song. And I was just blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, you're the magician. That's what I called her. And then while working with Justin on the Justified album, she would let me um, do like some co-arranging with her for the tour and stuff like that. And then then she fell ill during uh, just before the uh, Future Sex Love Show um, album. And she had gave me a CD of exercises for the Justified tour to do with Justin and the singers when she wasn't around. You know what I'm saying? And that summer, God had told me to coach a thousand singers off of that CD. I'm like, coach a thousand singers off the CD? That's crazy. And then here's the other thing, whether they pay me or not. I'm like, God, how am I going to pay these bills? Rather, what do you mean whether they pay me or not? And then anytime I, 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 I talk back, there's always silence. It's always just that you ever you ever get ignored by God and there's nothing. Oh, my gosh, it's the worst kind of feeling. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right. All right. I'll fix it. You put me in this situation. I know you got my back. Simple as that. Right. I'm like, OK, cool. All right. I'll talk. I'll, I'll coach a thousand singers. Man, you know how much rejection I got. I got up to 287 singers. I went to churches begging people to let me warm them up before they got in. I had a little, a little, I can't find it. It's probably in storage, but a list where I would go one, two, three, cross out, one, two, three, cross out, one, two, three, cross out. And I got the 287 singers. And I was in September coming home from church. I was disgusted. I was like, God, how in the world am I going to get to a thousand singers? It's not possible. How, how I'm, and I'm doing what you tell me to do. But I'm getting rejected more so than anything. And then I was flicking through the channels, having a pity party. And then I, I went to one station. There's this person laughing hysterically while I'm having a pity party. And you know, like when you're around somebody, when you say it, and they're just laughing to where they're falling on the floor and it becomes contagious. And next thing you know, you start laughing along with them. I was annoyed. I flicked to this channel. There's somebody else laughing. I flick over this other channel. There's the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi and Ralph Macchio. And Ralph Macchio is pissed off. When you gonna have teach me karate after making me doing all your house chores? And then my daughter comes in the room laughing hysterically. I'm pissed at this point. I'm like, get out! You're gonna be grounded. You coming in with that laughing? Why am I upset with my daughter because she's laughing? I'm having a pity party with God because I can't get to a thousand singers. In September, I've already marked it out for December. And then I sat back and I was like, oh my god. It was never about a thousand singers. It was about the quality of singers, not the quantity, not how many singers I had. He was teaching me how to hear voices. He was training me and then teaching me about rejection and still loving people when they were rejecting me. That's a heck of a story. And in that process, I was like, okay, God, 
I will never, ever count Singleton. Huh. I will never put a roster up, how many singers I have, how many artists I have. On my website, I'll post like a few people that we work with, and, and I'm supposed to update it, and it's a, it's a lot more, and I'm blessed. But I, I, I'm always hesitant about doing that, updating it regularly. I'm always hesitant because I want it to be about the quality over the quantity. And for whoever I'm in front of, that they get 100% of who I am and all the love that I'm going to give them to inspire them to be the best that they can be. Simple as that. Well, that, I, I want to add two things, Come if on. I may. First, I appreciate you paying tribute to Robin. I, I have met Robin. I think that she's fabulous. And, uh, and, and I think it's important that we pay tribute to those that, you know, come before us. So oh, yeah. kudos to you for, for praising her. Um, and second, you failed to, or you failed to acknowledge, not to necessarily fail to recognize, you failed to acknowledge all of the people affected by the people whose voices you have helped, which oh, I have no doubt puts that number well into the tens of thousands. So kudos to you for that. I would also add and point out to our viewers that this is the perfect Gladwellian story to reference Malcolm Gladwell and his 10,000 hours, mm -hmm. because clearly you have put in the work. And again, your resume, which you're being very hum humble about, certainly reflects that. That said, you know, most people, my mother was an opera singer. So most people I've always found don't fully appreciate that the voice truly is a complex instrument. They think the instrument is the drums or the guitar or the trumpet or whatever. But the voice is an extremely complex instrument. And it's an instrument people use all the time. So, I mean... I mean, I have so many questions about whether there's any rudimentary advice you can offer anyone who's, of course, using or overusing their voice. And, and I, I also want to acknowledge and, and ask you about the number of major singers that have had vocal damage over the years and the amount of time it takes to heal. Everybody knows just recently, not so recently, but Adele. Um, certainly Whitney Houston, Elton John, JT, your own client, Alicia Keys, I believe, too, all have had issues, whether it be just stress, whether it be respiratory infections, or more serious hemorrhages, polyps, etc. I mean, tell us a little bit about the voice as a complex instrument and, and the things that affect it. I mean, we know this industry is really, really challenging. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, uh, let's take for instance, and I'll try to make this as quick as possible. Um, a lot of artists are in the studio right now, recording tons of material, like right at this moment. So once this is over, we're going to hear a plethora of really good music, right? You know, once once we're able to, to, to become large crowds all over again. But let's just say, for instance, the artists prior to Corona, you know, they're in the studio recording a lot of material. And it's very rare that they 
get to perform those songs from beginning to end. Think of it like this. They're in the studio. They're going through take after take after take, piecing these songs together. Unlike back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, before digital, when it was all analog and tape, you had to sing that joint all the way from beginning to end. And then then to splice it, it looks like surgeons in there trying to cut the tape down. You know what I'm saying? Which is crazy. So now people can chop it, you know, track it, you know, comp it and do all kinds of crazy things to get the perfect vocal. Then melodyne it or auto-tune it and do whatever. But then once the record goes big, now it's like, oh, crap, I got to sing this song. I've never even sang this song from beginning to end. So you're dealing with that. And then especially for new artists or even artists that's been out here for a minute, they have to go through a regimen where they're training because they're athletes. They're athletes. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not training like an athlete, you can't get in the fight with LeBron or play basketball against LeBron James or go in there and fight somebody, a professional boxer who does this every day. You're going to get beat up. You're not going to be able to last. So you have to practice and train like that. There's off-season training. Like, I'm still blessed to be able to work with people right now during COVID, which is sustaining us because we don't get stimulus checks. We're not retained by any of our clients, which would have been nice. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. They have a lot of other people that can't do what we do. So I'd rather them take care of them anyway. But in this particular instance, they're training in preparation. So when this does happen, when you go out and do promotional tour, you got interviews. You're flying from city to city. So flying on airplanes, there's dryness on the airplane. You know what I'm saying? And there's things that you can do to remedy remedy that because you ever get on a plane where you're feeling just fine and then you get on the plane, you're like, somebody was sick on the plane because I got on the plane with my nose running. It's nine times out of ten, it's because you're not hydrated when you're flying on the plane. And there's dry air, and there's dry air on the air on the plane. So we Gotta use an oil moist. called Panaris oil, where you take a Q-tip and swab your nose just like that so you don't dry out on the plane. And then you get off and you're fine. You know what I'm saying? And so if that's dry, that affects your voice. And then when you land, you jumping on the phone, you got interviews from day, night, day, night, day, night. You know, I can only imagine, like I missed working with Lizzo for the last two years because of my schedule and her schedule going, you know, we couldn't line it up. We just couldn't get it right. But I knew what she was dealing with as an artist because of her schedule. The demand became so insane to where they get tired. They get physically beat down. And then, now imagine the mental state. Now it's time for them to go out and sing their hit record. They're struggling to sing their own song. How many times have we all dealt with that? I know me, you, you, know, me, you Matt, and um, Kyle, we see it all the time. You know, Kyle has even called me in on other jobs as well as you, Matt. But yeah, we got an artist that's struggling doing blah, 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 blah. I already know what it is right out the, way, right out the gate before I even have a conversation. And I have a, a remedy to fix it, and they have to be willing to get there. You know what I'm saying? So it takes both of us to fix it. So at that particular point, you know, along with the interviews, that's fatigue and we're on the phone. Then they want to talk to their friends because they don't have nobody to really deal, you know, deal with, to help them with these pressures and stresses to meet these demands. And so now their voice is starting to fail them immediately. And they probably haven't been singing. If they if you're doing a television gig, how long is that really? That song's gonna last three minutes, maybe two fifty, two minutes fifty seconds. That's not a long time to sing your song. But if you're dealing with a lot of the stress, it, it becomes taxing on the body, and the first thing to go is the voice, and that's fatigue. 
And then if they feel like they can't sing the songs or meet the standard and they have all these pressures, a lot of them, they start taking it out on alcohol. Alcohol, we know it dries out the voice. And then you, let's take alcohol out of the equation now and let's add caffeine, coffee. Coffee is a natural diuretic. That's going to dry you out. Yeah, it'll boost your energy. But for every um, artist that I work with that drinks a cup of coffee, I sit three bottles of water right next to them. I'm like, before you get the next one, you got to drink all three of those to dilute it. Simple as that. So you don't dry out. And they're like, man, is that necessary? I'm like, go ahead. Let me take my three bottles back. And we'll talk about it after the show. All right, I'll take it. I'll drink it. All right, go ahead. Now drink them. Go on now. And then they're fine. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying go ahead and drink coffee. That's one of the last things you have to do. And if it's females, a lot of times we can't we can't avoid their cycle, which affects the voice tremendously. You know, a day or two before the first day of the cycle, you know, the, the mucous membranes or the blood platelets are pretty much dry during that time. And a lot of women that cramp really heavy, they'll wind up taking stuff with ibuprofen in it because Tylenol isn't strong enough for them. So if you take a stuff with ibuprofen in it, and you having this um, issue already, that's going to create another problem. And you don't have to even be singing to create the problem. You be like, hey, Matt, hey, yo, Kyle, turn me up. What, why are you yelling at me and you got a microphone in your hand? Now your voice is strained. Oh, I think I'm coming down with a cold. I slept with the fan on last night. It has nothing to do with that. Come on. So if you're dealing, I'm sorry, I get really excited about voice, as you can see. <laughs> now. But if you're dealing with those things, there's a lot of different things that 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 play a major part. Some singers that yo man, yo me smoking weed, you know that that right there helps me get to the you know get in the zone. I'm like yo, is it worth your career? They're edibles, but is that worth your career right now? You know, have days when you're not going to be doing anything, and not once again, that's not me saying these are your smoke days, these are this. If it's if you're if you're doing well financially over doing music, that's a man. That's a special place to be in at that particular point. But if you're going to go out and smoke cigarettes for one, which has muscle relaxers in the ingredients, that's why people chain smoke them. Imagine what that does to the vocal folds. If you put a muscle relaxer on your vocal fold, you know if you're singing an A, that's 440 collisions, 440 collisions for me to sing this note. 440. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So imagine if I'm singing higher than that. It doubles. It doubles. Now you smoke the cigarette. Now you got to work twice as hard to be able to sing that. So if it's 440 here, it's only going to be operating at 220 at that point. So imagine how hard you got to work to sing to get that out. A lot of people don't know that. All they know is, oh man, I'm, I, I'm struggling today. You did it to yourself. This is how we're going to fix it. All right. Take this out and let's see what it sounds like on this day. You know, take this out of the out of the diet, for instance. You know, if you're dealing with reflux issues or challenges, which affects the voice as well. You know, tomato sauce, black pepper, onions. Um, once again, coffee, caffeine, you know, the, the juice cousins. You know what I'm saying? If you're if you're having those triggers, juice cousins, meaning lemon juice, grapefruit, apple, anything citrus, citrus. You know, that'll cause citric acid, you know, cause the, the acid in your stomach not to digest properly and build up as a gas and it comes back up and it irritates your vocal folds. Those are triggers, you know, those type of things. So you got to be mindful of that. And sometimes you can feel the heartburn and sometimes it could just be silent, you know, but that's why it's good to have on your team as an artist an ENT 
not just the regular local ENT that just graduated and they want to throw steroids at you because they get a kickback. You know what I'm saying? You want to go to one that works with singers and actors specifically that re respect and understands the workload of an artist, you know, even from a sound team. Sound team's got to have somebody in their back pocket in every city. You know what I'm saying? So especially the major cities where they can get to, you know. So in that particular case, there's a lot of things that can affect the voice. But if you're training on the regular with a coach that understands that and have a team that they work with and he's constantly training. Like I just got out of a uh, uh, um, a workshop that was, what, three weeks ago, and it was four days intensive training. Oh, my gosh, my head still hurt from it. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to be better. You know, it takes a lot to be the best. And I'm not saying I'm the best, but I want to do things to help me get to that level. You know what I'm saying? Where I can say, yo, I changed the game or I was a part of helping change the game on an artist level. And it was about the artist growing, you know, as well as my growth. But if I'm growing, I'm helping them grow even more. So in that particular case, if they're training on the regular, if they get injured, the recovery time is a lot faster. Think of it like that. Take singing out of the equation. When Michael Jordan got hurt, how fast did he come back and win more championships? You know what I'm saying? So if he he's the first one in the gym and the last one to leave the, leave the gym. You know what I'm saying? So I take a lot of those philosophies as well. You know, I, I coach uh, one of the uh, trainer's kids from the Miami Heat, especially when LeBron was there. And that's what their workout regimen is. Before a game, they get there at 12 o'clock and they're already shooting around, doing all kinds of stuff. But then the game may not even start until – Five or eight o'clock, that's crazy. And I'm like, oh, there's something to that. I'm dealing with athletes. We pulled the vocal vocals um, from one of my clients and ran it through a simulator. He had over two million vocal collisions in one show. Two million. That means the vocal folds opening and closing while singing and dancing and doing whatever for two hours. That's insane. An insane amount of work. You know what I'm saying? By itself. So in that particular case, if a singer gets injured, you know, there's still vocal maintenance. Before I jumped on with y'all, I'm working with a television broadcaster and um, helping her get her voice back. You know, she got injured. And I wasn't working with her before. A friend of hers called me and said, hey, could you look out? A friend of ours, Kyle, <laughs> and we'll talk about her later. But yeah, but uh, her friend is in trouble. And this is her mm. job. She talks on television. You know what I'm saying? And if we can't get that back together, there's a chance that they're going to bring somebody in to replace. So my thing is like, you know, let me help, you know, let me let me look after her and just see, you know, because for me, it's only going to make me better. Oh, let me fix this. Oh, we did it in this amount of time. Or like in a case where one of my clients that got injured, it was something silly, choking on something. Overthrowed, huh? No. Choking, like literally in a room, choking and about to die before going on stage. And it was stuck. And they were trying to clear their throat oh, really bad and strained it. Yikes. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Or a person that, another one was a person that got really sick from laryngitis. You know? And then on top of that, and, and wasn't even working, wasn't even touring at this point. Yeah, just got that and then strained the voice. Like coughing and clearing your throat. It's one of the worst things you could possibly do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And I'm not a fan of steroids, you know, because steroids stays in your system anywhere between eight to 16 months. You know, it makes you really antsy, really angry, 
all the time, agitated real easy, makes you gain weight, bone density as well. So it's a lot of things, man, that, that you have to really get with somebody that understands that and that's going to love your voice and love you more than you love your own voice, believe it or not, you know, at times, you know, and they got to be a good listener, you know what I'm saying? So to receive that information. And a lot of times I just tell them, and I'm like, yo, I'll tell you. I'm not going to yell at you, but I'll tell you. Here's the information. Yeah, and you can either do something about it or you don't. And sometimes they get it, and then sometimes they rebel and fight against it, and then they wind up turning around. Yeah, and I, I have no judgment, you know, as far as saying, I, now if you were to listen the first time, I don't do that. I'm like, yo, here we are. All right, now let's make these changes, and, and let's get you back to work. Simple as that. Yeah. Wow. Like a lot to unpack there. I got to be honest. It's I, uh, tough. It's, it's a ton. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, get no. Your throat ups, in. Got to get your throat ups. You, you, you took a, you know, what what I hoped was a, a simple question about taking the voice more seriously and treating it like an instrument, and you really painted the picture of the. I mean, to me, the uh, the the reference to you know training like an athlete is is spot on, and and. And it really does take that level of, of effort and focus and commitment. And, and I think, I mean, I ask the question in the first place because I just feel like there are so many artists who at least initially don't take it as seriously as perhaps they should. And they find themselves at a disadvantage before long. And it's as simple in some cases as just learning how to warm up and down your voice before advancing to, you know, the, the advanced cybermetric training that you, you know, describe with all of the, uh, you know, the different layers that you need to unpack. And at a certain point, if you want to be the best, I mean, you got you got to train like train the like best. Yeah. Like Jordan, you talked about LeBron. If you want to be the best, yeah, you yeah. got to train like the best. Yeah. And you got to think, voice coaches, you know, are the most neglected part of an artist circle. They really are. We we really are. You know, they're 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 teams where I've heard this term. They feel like the artists. Oh, let them have fun. And I come in. I come in the room. I'm like. No, no, what are y'all doing? This person can't do that. And I'll tell them, I'm like, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that because this is what's causing the problem. You know, this is what's causing all these these situations where it's it's going to cost everybody their job. Let's just be honest. You know, and my thing is not to come there or when when I've when I've been hired by you, Matt, or Kyle, you brought me in on the project. I sit down and I look at everything. I see who the prohibitors are. I see the ones that, you know, that are naughty, you know, because they want to be around the artists. And that's the thing that makes me sad, you know. And the thing is, I look at it and I'm like, okay, look, I ain't trying to get nobody fired. But you're responsible as an artist for all of these people's lives, livelihoods. And if they're not taking care of their voice, or we're not supporting that, you know, everybody's going to be out of work. If the artist gets injured, we're going to be out of work. You're going to be out of work. You're going to be out of work. You're going to be scrambling to go and find another job somewhere else, especially when all tours are normally booked up around a certain time. You know, so it's best that we celebrate them, try and create a, a safe environment 
and I, 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 I know a lot of, um, you know, people that work around artists like to go and hang out with them, try and have fun and then show them a good time or be around their good time. And for me, I just never been that guy. If, you know, normally when, when the job's up, I don't think you guys ever find me around anywhere. I disappear. You know, I normally get in and get out. But with that being said, when dealing with an artist and the maintenance of the voice, it can be challenging, brother. It really can. Because if they don't have the coach around their circle trying to do what's right to help save their voice for the next night or for a tour that extends over 50 dates. Some artists I work with do over 200 dates, which is crazy. You know, but at that point, if they're not training on the regular and have somebody looking out for them, they're going to be in trouble real quick. And if they have to cancel, now they got to fight with the promoter. You know, now y'all got to go through contracts. You know what I'm saying? Well, we pay for this amount of dates and this person can't perform to the best of their ability because their voice is out. What's up with that? And now some of these companies, when they're doing physical tests before doing um you know, tours and stuff like that, they're asking that they get scoped by a doctor to get approved for tours. You know what I'm saying? That if anything happens, they don't have to pay it back. You know what I'm saying? Which is crazy. So in that particular instance, you've got to have a, a coach on your team. Once again, we're one of the most neglected, but one of the most vital, vital parts of the tour as far as making sure the artist is able to have a lot of success. And it makes, it makes your job easy, Matt. It makes your job easy, Kyle, to where they can deliver what, what's necessary for the show. Well, I mean, we talk about speaking for the working class heroes in this industry, and clearly you are right. I feel like there's a delay in my vocal right now. I apologize if others are hearing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the unsung heroes, no pun intended, uh, you know, people behind the scenes doing what they do. Something you just said was really interesting, though, about whether or not promoters are requiring artists to essentially, you know, think about it like sports when you get traded or you sign a new contract and you have to pass a physical. Yeah. Are artists, are singers being asked about their preparation is that a thing should it be it's happening it's starting to happen now where you know promoters are asking for physicals for for um for artists you know as a part of that that agreement yeah yeah that's happening oh yeah and a lot of times they want to know who who the coach is or who the speech pathologist is who who this person is, you know what I'm saying? Like I literally, and I, I won't say the name, but I literally had a phone call. I won't even say the year because y'all will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I literally had a phone call one time where uh, a friend of mine called me about a particular artist. And the artist, once they jumped on the phone, I was like, this artist is in trouble in the middle of preparing for a tour. And I was like, you're, you're in trouble. I said, you, you might want to go and have a, go and see an ENT right away. Hey, my, my voice is, my doctor says my voice is perfect. And my vocal cords are pristine, vocal folds are pristine. I was like, all right, that's great, but you're sick right now. 
I know what your voice sounds like when it's healthy, and right now you're sick. Oh, I'm, I take the best vitamins, the best this, and the best that. And I was laughing. I said, it's okay. I was like, uh, can you sing a note for me real quick? And um, went down the scale, and then was like, oh, I'm just eating. There's something there lost in my throat. I was like, okay. Make sure you go and see your ENT right away. You're in the middle of a tour prep. And if you don't, it's going to get worse, and we're going to wind up having to postpone your opening date. We didn't listen. They called back, and now they told me that the artist was sick, just like hmm. I, caught, I heard it. I lied to you not. And then after they heard that, they flew a doctor in to see me. And everything I said that was there, it was there. And then they wind up pushing the tour, which was supposed to start in the summer, to the fall. And the condition was actually crazy, to the point where I had warned the artists what was happening. And I was like, we need to start a training regimen to, to, to beat it. The artists didn't listen. They questioned me. They questioned my resume. They questioned everything about me. Who is he? Even to the doctor that I told them to call <laughs> that they flew out. It's like, I've never worked with him before, but you need to see this particular person. I was like, okay. And they didn't wind up starting a tour until January. Who said you're not a superhero and don't have superpowers? But I'm just, I'm just saying it's crazy. I warned them and tried to help help as much as I can. And my friend, he knew I was right in that moment. He knew what I was hearing was everything that they were hearing. And I was literally there to help. And it was a case where I wasn't even trying to charge. It was like, let me help you get on your feet. I want you on your feet. If you want to do something, then we'll move forward. You know, if you don't, we're totally cool. No love lost. Let me just help you. Let me serve you first and see if, if I can help. Simple as that. And sure enough, they wind up postponing that thing. Yeah, a lot of money lost, a lot of logistics, you know, that they had to be scheduling, rescheduling dates. It, it's, it, that's a nightmare. I'm sure y'all have dealt with that. You know what I'm saying? So it became one of those numbers. So my thing is, you've got to get with somebody that that really understands the voice you know, it's not about me. And a lot of times if I post anything, it's really about the artist and me just being grateful for the opportunities that, I, that I've been blessed with. You know what I'm saying? And to give hope to other people that have come from, you know, from the hood or from areas of poverty like I did. And that was homeless and show them that I can make it. Because I was homeless when um, I left the music industry, sleeping in a car, not as crazy as Tyler Perry, but I, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Working so closely with artists and dealing with them on a personal level, how do you manage your sessions to where you're focusing on the task at hand, which is their voice, but also giving time to being like a life coach? Because it seems that you have to deal with habits, you have to deal with you know, their schedules, you have to deal with, you know, how they eat, you know, all these different things. How do you balance Love. those two things? Okay. Love. 
love. When someone calls me, it's almost like calling the men in my family. <laughs> the men in my family will not go to the doctor mm. until the arm is hanging off the socket. You can see the marrow in the bone, and they're bleeding out. I think it's happening to go to the doctor now. So I look at it like that. When artists or management call me, I feel like the artist is in a dire need. You know, they're desperate. Their confidence is either really, really low because they can't sing the songs that help them help change their lives. So I'm not going to come in and like, yo, you did this, you screwed that up, you did that. No, man. You did. No, that's not me. I come in with a lot of love and I have to because what I'm going to absorb in, in the exchange for what I'm about to gift them is all of their negative energy. I'm going to take that with me wherever I go. That may be the hotel. It might be in my car. And I have to channel that out somewhere else. But it starts with love, man. I come in there with the love to serve them. You know, they got money. You know what they don't have? It's time. They can't buy time. <laughs> I'm there to gift them my time, my love, and my willingness to help them the best way possible and to be honest with them. I have to be honest with them. Look, this is the problem. These are the solutions. And I treat it like the matrix. Here's the red pill and here's the blue pill. The blue pill is going to be the coach, the trainer that you don't, you can't stand his guts until you see results. And then when you see the results, you're like, oh my gosh, I got the best trainer in the whole wide world. He's incredible. And this red pill, you want to go out and party. You're going to want to go out and have fun. You're going to finish the show at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you're going to party at 4 o'clock in the morning. You're going to do all this stuff and then get up and do the same thing again and wonder why your voice is failing you. Oh, so you're just going to take the red pill. Oh, you're going to take one? You're going to take, go ahead and take two, and we'll talk about it in the morning. Let's do that. You know what I'm saying? So I treat them with a lot of love. And I don't try to strip away all of their power. I see when the artist is smoking weed. And I'm like, I just want to let you know, you do know what that's going to do to the voice. You might feel good. It might clear your headspace, but it's drying out your vocal cords. You have, it's like you just bought a Lamborghini, right? Or a Bugatti or whatever your car of choice is. It could be a Tesla, whatever it is. It needs oil Not in the Tesla. engine. Not a Tesla, but it needs it, it needs oil in the engine. It needs a battery in this case. And it needs to be charged, right? So in this particular case, if you don't put oil in the engine, you risk the chance of burning out the engine. So what happens when you add smoke and you do those inhalations, exhalations, that's going right to the vocal folds, drying them out, going down, and drying them up, coming up every single time. And you feeling good, and then you wonder why your voice sound like this. <laughs> it's like, yo, you sound like a man, lady. Yeah. So when a, so when an artist blows their amp, i.e., yep. throat, throat is overheated, you know, pull their yep. throat string. What's the average recovery time? Like, you know, when you when it's shot, I know they get the little B twelve shot, and then they sing at night. But technically, yep. their throat is really not right. So what's it's, the actual time? It's on fire. It just it 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 just said it. It's hard to put a time limit on it because 
it depends on how much abuse have been taking place. You know what I'm saying? Like for instance, you know that I I'll call I call it the weeds, the weed call. <laughs> yeah. You know what happens in that case? Some of that is so dry down there, is some of the mucus from them inhaling, it hits the vocal folds. It's like drawing dropping water on a dry desert. And you see the fumes come up from it. <laughs> and then they start choking on it. The steam. And when they choke on that, those cough, it's almost like strumming a guitar string as hard as you can when you're blasting all that air out on the vocal folds from your lungs all the way back up. And that strains the vocal folds. It's how bad the strain, the strain is. And then they go out and try and sing on dry vocal cords. How many times have you seen singers have alcohol in, the, in those little sippy, those little red cups? You know, they got alcohol in there. That's drying it out even more. And then there's another artist that smokes cigarettes and drink alcohol on stage and wonder why his voice ain't really performing like it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. you destroy. It's you. It ain't your sound guy. Don't fire him. It's your fault. So explain this to me. You got like, you know, for instance, you got Casey and JoJo when they were in their <laughs> yep. prime. They smoke and drink like a chimney and a, and a, and a beverage truck. But when mm -hmm. they were singing, it was emotional, and you can feel it, and you felt every word that they sang. Yeah, but are, they, are they are those like vocal anomalies? No, yeah. So some people, the you know, melon plays a lot as far as the the thickness of the chords. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people vocal chords are a lot thicker than the others. Some of them can take more abuse. But you go back and listen to JoJo and KC, who I'm a big fan of big fan of you know growing up you know listen to what they sound like from the first album jodeci all the way to the show the after party and then listen to what they sound like now mm -hmm. it makes you want to cry now don't get it twisted everything they sing is still going to have the emotion behind it but don't mistake emotion from not being able to be skillful technically and do things now, granted, I buy records based off of how they move me, how they make me feel. And I don't buy it based off of technique. But you listen to what he's done or what they've done, and they've lost some of the top end of their voice. And now they're just singing in the mid-range and the chest ah, voice. Okay. The middle range is where the choruses of the songs are, and the chest is normally where the verses are. And they're struggling to live in that area. It makes me sad when I go to see them in concert. Or Blast from the Past concert, some of my favorite artists. And I'm like, oh my God, they don't get it. And some of them are the ones that I've even offered to work for just to scholarship them to help them get back on their feet, to show them that they haven't lost it all. And then rejection shows up. <laughs> so this stress and strain that you're talking about, this is uh, what causes so many artists to sing flat? That, that can be a part of it, too. You know, singing flat, you know, as far as, once again, if you're not training your voice or exercising your voice, some people think exercising is just singing through a song. No, man, it's not. You're just singing the song. But there's training and, you know, vowels and consonant combinations that you use that work around areas of, say, for instance, around breaks, transition areas where singing would have a tendency to crack and flip and, 
and strain their voice. My goal is to make sure that a singer, if they're exercising their voice, they could be better storytellers. When you're a kid, think about when you're a kid and you had both of your parents around or singing, they would read stories to you. You're like, oh my gosh, I like when dad reads me bedtime stories because he's more animated. You know what I mean? Yeah, mom could be more monotone. She kind of just seems like this, no animation. She just tells the story. You know what I'm saying? So in that particular case, I train singers to where they can be more dynamic. If they want to use their head voice or falsetto, which are two different voice types, you know what I'm saying? They can do that. If they want to sing really big and powerful, they can do that and sing just as soft within the same song. Dynamics. You know, and if you're not training, you only have one button. You only have one gear. It's just loud or it's just either soft. Or when you try and do both of them, you wind up cracking. You know what I'm saying? So training, it's almost like watching a basketball player. All the thing he's good for is defense. He's not known for the guy to be the, the three-point shooter. He's going to be a rebounder. Let's put him in at this time of the game. No, I want a player that can do it all. You know what I'm saying? They could be a scorer. You know, they, they can defend. They could do that. And it's hard to find players like that. And when you do find players like that, they're normally a level higher than everybody else in the league. Just like in this entertainment thing, the singing thing. We see these artists, we're like, dang, how can a Dave Matthews do night after night a three-hour show and still have enough to do it tomorrow night or three in a row or four in a row? He's training on the regular. There's a routine for that. Basketball, where are the trainers? Behind the bench. Tennis, in the audience. Golf, the caddy. Football, on the sideline. We're there. But in our sport of entertainment, we're the most neglected. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it, that's what it is, fellas. Well, I was going to ask you about anxiety issues also, but correct me if I'm wrong, I'm thinking the answer, once again, comes down to preparation. Um, preparation is, is, is a huge part of it, but with um, studying with um, – psychologists in in our in our circle of coaches and we're getting like dealing we're having like high levels you know psychologists come in and talk to us about anxiety and dealing with that it's a it's a real thing it's a big big time thing so it's you could be prepared but th these are things that have been been happening to the artists way before music Music has been their outlet in a lot of cases. You know what I'm saying? And what I mean by that is some of them, if, if they prepare, they're still going to deal with some anxiety or feel like they're not good enough or feel like that sucked or feel like it's this. And for me, I have to always come in and show them not just the pros. I have to show them the cons, too. You know, that's who I am. Some people don't like that. Some people respect it. Some people love it. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, all right, so I have to listen to all the negative stuff. So I'm absorbing that. And then I'm like, well, did you see anything that was good? No, nothing. It all sucked. And then it takes sometimes outsiders to come in and say, you really killed it. It was beautiful. And then they're like, you sure? You positive? And that's what I mean by the circle. If the circle is constantly filled with a bunch of people that say, yes, 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 I've been told I'm a yes man. And then when they start seeing the results, they're like, okay, I'm sorry. That's clearly not you. You know, but in this particular instance, when you sit down and you 
you you look at what they've gone through, and that's the the, the psychology part of singing. You know, it could have been somebody. A lot of the things that I've seen, it's been like somebody at an early age told them they could never be a singer because they suck. They were terrible, you know, or they had a moment where they had to sing a song at an early age and they forgot the lyrics. And that has stuck with them. Oh, you better get those lyrics right or, or else, you know, it's always been that psych psychological warfare with artists that have that have dealt that dealt with um, not being good enough. Always worrying about what the critics say. You know what I'm saying? And for me, I come in and I'm like, yo, I, I know what your critics are saying. We can do a couple things. You know, we can either believe what they say or we can shut their mouths. How do we shut their mouths? Let's prepare. This is what it's going to take. You're not going to like it. That's the blue pill. You know, we're going to have to prepare, prepare like this. Yeah, if you're going to drink, you're going to do your thing, sell it for a day and just do a celebration day. But you got to cut it off at this time before we have to get back to work. Because if you don't, that's going to affect your voice. And a lot of times, in a lot of instances, most artists will go clean after doing that. Some of them still will go back and have their celebration day because that's what they do. And I'm not taking that away, that power away from them. I'm just saying for this, this is what is important, not only for yourself, but the rest of the team. So we have to execute like this. And when they say, okay, I can do that. I, will, I can change that. When I started working with Ree, I heard all the negative stuff that people were saying about her. And I said the same thing. I'm like, you know, you have the power to shut their mouths. You do know that. Once again, giving the power back to her. Not that it was ever taken away, but a lot of times artists, it hurts them. And I'm like, yo, we can shut their mouths. You know, let's go ahead and do this. Now we're seeing people singing Love on the Brain on the voice, Diamonds on the voice. She's like one of those singers now. You know, one of the go-to singers to sing at the talent shows, you know, like, um, you know, a Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, or a Mariah Carey song or whatever. You know, now she's looked at one of those type of vocalists. You know, so my point is, in this case, it's all about preparation. Yes, it is. But in order for us to prepare and do the right thing, you're going to run into some of those roadblocks where an artist have dealt with, you know, some kind of trauma that happened at an early age that may have prevented them from actually executing or getting to that next level of confidence. You know, hence, I've never worked with Beyonce. I would like to work with her. She's on my bucket list. You know, I worked with Kelly, who was on my bucket list and still working with her today. I've worked with Michelle. I've been blessed to do those things. But in that particular case, you know, it's all about preparation. And Beyonce has this alter ego, Sasha Fierce. You know what I'm saying? And so like a lot of times, sometimes these artists, they'll take on this different persona. You know, like I become Superman when I get on stage and I become Clark Kent when I come back off. I can be myself and just be calm and reserved and quiet. And there's countless artists that I've been blessed to work with that for me in the beginning, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to work with this. This person, they're so creative. Da, 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 da. They do this and they wow and they open. We're going to have a lot of fun together. And then when they come to the house, I'm like, this is not the same guy. <laughs> what happened? Oh, no. And, and, and <laughs> then you start to dig a little deeper and then you realize that they've gone through some things, you know? And, and then it's like, I don't, I don't feel, I feel You're sorry right. for them, you know, that they've gone through that, but it's like, your story is worth telling, is worth sharing to the world. 
your medicine for the world. That's why God has allowed you to be in this moment, you know, and it's not just about you anymore. It's about you helping others that feel like they're alone. And then at that point, they're like, for real? I'm like, yes, you're powerful. You're a game changer. You're a minister. Really, you are. <laughs> and you're here to change the world with your gift. That's not for you. It's for everybody else. <laughs> and we start there. And then they show up. And then they throw down. And then they kill it. And then on the opposite side of that, there are those that are like, I never asked for this. And then I have to give them the hard truth. I'm like, what if it was all taken? Oh, I don't care. I never wanted to be an artist anyway. I wanted to be a songwriter. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, why don't you just be a songwriter? Oh, they made me do this. I'm like, and you don't like it? No, I really wish I was. I'm like, huh? I'm like, okay. Well, if you're here, let's go ahead and take advantage of it. That's only going to open up more doors for you to be a songwriter. You know, and open up other writing things. And it, and sometimes you get artists, I've worked with artists that have been on that side of it. And that's the part that's really sad. And they don't want it. And then once it's gone, I'll get that phone call that's like, hey, um, I really want to do it now. And I'm like, it's probably too late. Well, I mean, it's never too late. But I'm like, it's probably too late, meaning it's you're going to really have to claw your way back in. You know what I'm saying? It's harder to come back when you push this thing away. You know what I'm saying? And you've been resentful. Oh, yeah, they shooting a music video. We shooting a music video in Miami. Oh, this is great. But I don't want to shoot the music video. I'm like, well, why not? Who wrote the song? I did, but it's not one I like. I'm like, huh? I am so confused. <laughs> but it turns into that. But then once it's all gone, it's like... Now they have all the regrets. And I hate to see that when that happens with artists, which is heartbreaking. You know, but somebody has to be honest with them and, and be truthful to them. Well, and not just be yes, 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 yeah, and agreeing with them. No. You were this is really this a this is a very hard industry to break in, you know, break through in. And if you get that door, you go and kick it down because it can open up other opportunities for you that you were probably dreaming about that you could have never gotten to without this. So let this open this door. This door is open. Go through it and take air, all the contents out of it to open up the next door. So that's that. Man, uh, that's all. That's that, that is a lot. Um, it's funny because as quickly as I asked that question I, about whether it was preparation, what I, I realized what I meant to say was it, you know, is it a matter of confidence, which comes from a preparation? And of course, you answered that even, you know, intuitively. And and you acknowledged, of course, that there are other factors that, you know, play into people's psyche, which ironically, of course, is part of the reason that some artists become great is because they have some shit from their history, which yeah. makes them, you know, kind of go in that direction. Um, but I mean a lot to think about and and rob you've been amazing we do actually unfortunately need to wind down um <laughs> so i would encourage you to come back at a at a later date and you know kind of pick up the conversation if if you would be so inclined uh you know you've you've given us a ton to think about again for me i i mean artists as athletes or vocalists as athletes i feel like my throat leads uh, your throat leads up <laughs> 
<laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Um, I do want to ask you what I think is is one more very important question, and it's it's one of our parting shots that we always ask our guests. Um, I think you have a unique perspective to to lend on this one. Um, if there is any one thing about the industry you would like to see people doing better coming out of the coronation, what might that be? Uh, love. <laughs> I, I, you know, people take love, man, and just abuse it. But really love one another, man. And... And because you, music is so special, it's, it's supposed to unite us, not divide us. And there's still division, even in our industry, you know, from a corporate level, management to executive levels and stuff like that. And it's gotten better. But I would like to see, even from the, the crew standpoint, and I've gotten a lot of opportunities just by being friends with some of the crew guys. You know, not just in just with Kyle or, or Jeremy or, you know, but some of the, 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 the lighting guys, the riggers, you know, I would like to see more diversity in that area. You know, I would love to see that happen, more diversity amongst them, amongst the whole industry as a whole. But just loving and supporting each other. You know, I mean, I face racial discrimination in our industry and I'm only there to help. You know, I've had police called on me standing in, 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 you know, in the field or in the arena with my iPad and my my in-ear monitoring system taking notes. And they, hey, what are you doing? I've, I've dealt with that. But just more love and understanding. I would like to see that. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Any parting shots or shout outs before we go? Shout out to you, Matt. <laughs> shout out to Kyle. Shout out to Chris. Yeah, yeah, Shout yeah. out to Dallas, who went silent. Hard to fit a word in there, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, um, and definitely, uh, once again, thank you guys for um, having me on, on your, your podcast. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that y'all are doing. And um, I'd like to shout out to all the artists that I've been blessed and honored to work with, rather coaching them or arranging vocals for them or, or you name it. And um, my my company, commodproductions.com, you, know, you guys can find me there. Always taking on new clients, but not just any client, but a client that's really focused and have goals. I don't. I rarely work with artists that just jump on and say, I just want to be the star. I'm like, okay, I'm going to refer you to this person. So don't do that to me because I'll send you off because it's not about being the star. It's really about loving what you do and, and, and putting in the hard work to get there. Well, there it is. Rab Stevenson, we appreciate you very much being with us. To our listeners, check him out. One of the true unsung heroes, working class heroes, behind the scenes superheroes that is uh, making it happen for any number of your favorite stars. And uh, we appreciate him being with us, lending his unique perspective. We wholeheartedly encourage him to come back. To our viewers, we appreciate you tuning in. As always, send us your questions. Hit us up, HLUB Podcast on Instagram, hustlelikeyoubroke.com. And uh, until the next time, be good to one another. As Rab said, show some love, embrace one another, be good to each other. Thank you and.